Welcome to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Brought to you by LakeLink, your online fishing resource at lake-link.com. Outdoors Radio is also brought to you by Remy Battery, family owned and operated since 1931, serving Milwaukee along with Escanaba and Houghton, Michigan. Let's start something. RemyBattery.com by the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation, grassroots hunting and angling conservationists dedicated to the future of fish, wildlife, clean water, and healthy habitat, WIWF.org. And by the Castle Rock Petenwell Lakes Association, 60 square miles of fun on the water, castlerock-petenwell.com. I'm Dan Small. Another great show lies ahead, so stay right there. It's time now for Madison Outdoors, and you hear this feature every week at this time on WTSO, the Big 1070, and anytime, all day, all year, as long as you want to listen to it on our podcast on LakeLink and on our radio and wherever you might get your podcast. And joining us once again from McFarland is is Ron Bearfield. He's a fishing guide and a hunting guide too sometimes, but mostly fishing. Well, Ron, welcome back, and thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Dan. You do guide hunters now and then, don't you? Uh, turkey hunters. I, I used to guide quite a few deer hunters, but, I, you know, I don't do it anymore. It's just uh, uh, liability for people getting into tree stands and, you know, you get them off the ground and that starts going crazy with insurances and things, so... Uh, I just gave that up, oh, probably 12 to, yeah, probably 12 to 15 years ago, I gave up the deer guiding end of it. Uh-huh. And, uh, so it's, uh, it's, I do take a few turkey hunters every year, but, uh, this year so far, I've just, I've got my own tag, and that's, that's, uh, that's about all I'm gonna do. I have, I do have two other hunters coming in in late season, but it'll be late. Yeah. So. Well, it looks like everything's going to be late this year. We're recording early in the week, and we got snow, you got cold and wind, and uh, my goodness, when is it going to end? <laughs> it, I don't know. It's uh, the river, uh, you know, I've been fishing Lake Wisconsin a little bit this week, and, and the river up there, and it's the flow rate's been from 19,000 to 23,000 cubic feet per second out of the Dells, and that, I mean, that's just crazy high for you know, it just is. I'm not sure where the water's coming from, but but it's uh, it's been pretty tough to, to fish with the water like that. You know, it's hard to hold on the main channel and fish the holes you want to fish. I'll bet. Now, yeah, I was going to ask you where that water's coming from because uh, except for way up north, the runoff I thought was pretty much done, but it's coming from somewhere. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I know it. I I. I couldn't believe it either. It's uh, and like I say, it's been that way for two weeks. It's been high, mm-hmm. so it's it's crazy. I'll um, I'll be up there again tomorrow, but uh, before I, I hunt t- my turkey tag is for Wednesday, but uh, I'll be up on the lake tomorrow, and and uh, it we'll see. It's uh, it's just crazy. It's been a crazy spring. Yeah, I'm it's sure. a- the water temperatures are still very cold. I'll bet. I'll bet. Yeah, with it freezing virtually every night, it it's got to still be cold in the, in the lake. Well, uh, did you do any good on Lake Wisconsin? Oh, we did okay. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, we had a, some small fish. We were just above the, the the lake where the actually the river kind of starts coming in there, um, below Hookers, uh, below the interstate bridge there, and below Hookers, and down in that Tipperary Point area. Um, and there again, it's been awful windy too. So holding in the wind and the current was just made boat control really miserable. But the fish were there. There, you know, we didn't get any slot fish. We had a lot of smaller, you know, 13, 14 inch males. Um, I think we had three that might have been big enough to keep. We didn't. We didn't keep any fish. But and uh, so then we ran back down the lake and went into some of the sloughs or the the, the bays or cuts like Wiggins and Moon Valley and that. And we did uh, manage to catch uh, five or six nice uh, largemouth bass and one one really nice smallmouth bass. And on lures, we went down and played. But they were up real real shallow. You know, they were up in uh, three feet of water. And uh, and uh, like I say, the water was 48 degrees. You know, it wasn't real warm at all. So I was kind of surprised they were hitting the lures like they did. Huh. I suppose they're shallow because that's where it's going to be a degree or two warmer, and that makes a difference. 
Yeah, and it was all on that muddy bottom, you know, the mucky bottoms, um, sure. the, the warmest water we found. So, but uh, yeah, we caught a couple on spinner baits, caught a couple on plastic, caught, you know, it just didn't seem to. There was no rhyme or reason as to why they were there, why they were hitting what they were hitting. But uh, and it wasn't just hot and heavy. It'd be one here, one there, you know. So yeah. Uh, and, but that we need to get that water temperature warm. You know, the Madison chain has been uh, been cold as well. I have, have been out doing a little pan fishing out here, and then they were up in the widespread there by Mud Lake and uh, uh, a little bit, and they were pretty darn shallow. Actually, a week ago they were they were up in there. You don't catch limits, and you're not catching tons of them, but, but they are there, and uh, they are pretty shallow. I mean, they're in two feet of water or less. And um, a little perch mixed in. I think there was two or three crappies, and there were some bluegills. But uh, it's mostly in those, uh, like the Squaw Bay area, uh, Mud Lake. Uh, those are the two places I kind of concentrated on, and and that's where we caught the fish. So. Uh huh. Yeah. So so there is some action on the Madison Chain if uh, somebody wants to get out and and has a halfway decent day with, without too much wind, huh? darn weather we had some real windy weather you know here the last couple of weeks and i mean a couple of those days it was just dangerous it would have been real dangerous to be out there yeah so, yeah um you know it's in that uh, there again with the turkey hunting it's going to that wind i don't like the wind it'll usually it'll push them out to the fields for sure yeah uh but you know or the big open areas but uh, and and uh, a lot of times rain will do the same thing it, you know if you get a little rain it's going to push them out to the fields uh, to the more open areas, and I'm still not sure why they don't tuck into the woods other than I think when it rains or it's windy, they can't hear in, you know, as well in the, in the woods, and I think that it's a, a defense factor is what it is. I think you're right. That uh, seems to be the consensus of people I've talked to. I've heard people say they don't like the, uh, the rain dripping on them in the woods, so as soon as the rain stops, they go out in the field, but you see them in the field, in the rain and on a windy day where you'd think they'd blow their tails bent or something, you know, but they uh, don't. I know it, and it's, uh, but it, if it's rainy, windy, and windy on um, Wednesday when you're out there, uh, guys are out there, you just start looking around the more open areas, try to set up on something a little more open, and uh, you might have some success that way. Yeah, I set out a blind uh, a couple days ago uh, when we finally had a decent, well, it was Sunday. We had a decent day, and uh, I'm calling for a, a friend of mine who got his first turkey during the Learn to Hunt uh, about, well, a week or so ago. And oh, okay. Yeah, now it, he's, he's looking for bird number two, and, you know, I'm hoping to, <laughs> to, to get him one. But I staked that blind down and tied it up pretty good, even though the forecast said, high wind early this week so uh, i hope it's still there wednesday morning we're going out if it doesn't <laughs> rain but if it you know if it's coming down even with a, a blind that keeps the rain off i might just wait till thursday yeah thursday's supposed to be a decent day that uh, if a guy has the opportunity to get out uh, you know any time this week thursday looks like it's going to be the best day yeah so. yep. uh have you done any trout fishing since we talked last I have not, other than uh, our Missouri trip. Uh, uh -huh. That was that, that was a fun trip, but um, uh, I have I haven't had an opportunity to get out and, and caught fish at all myself, and I sure wanted to do that. And I might just do that this week, even even though I'll be turkey hunting. I'll uh, I might just sneak the fly rod in and uh, sneak off on the stream for a little while if I have success in the morning. Yeah, well, you get a bird first thing, and then, then you know, your time is all yours. You know how that works. I see, that's right. Yeah, a lot but, of these birds, too, uh, guys don't give up in the morning. You know, if you don't get that bird right away when he's with the hen, if you go back there, uh, I'd wait until 1 o'clock in the afternoon. and Or if it's raining, the afternoon can be a great time to get a bird. You know, they're looking, still looking for hens. Yep. And, and, you know, a lot of times those hens will go get on their nest in the morning after they're done with the toms or after the toms done with them. And they will, uh, I've killed a lot of birds after one o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, I've had, I, I tell people I've had some of my best luck between 10 and 1, you know, when the, when the hens are, like you say, they're on the nest or they're laying an egg and the toms are still uh, out and about. It's not like they go hide someplace, you know, they're just going to be out walking around. 
That's right. And they, um, you know, they, they, uh, they, the last few years anyway, after seven, seven thirty in the morning, it's like the goblin just stopped. Uh-huh. And, and uh, a lot of times in the afternoon, you can get them to respond and start gobbling again. Well, I hope so. Well, listen, Ryan, we'll let you go. Good luck uh, this week getting a bird, and I uh, hope you get in some trout fishing as well. Okay, thank you. You bet. Ron Bearfield from McFarland with the Madison Outdoors Report. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Castle Rock and Petenwell are two of Wisconsin's largest inland lakes. With more than 60 square miles of water, they offer four seasons of outdoor fun. Halfway between the Twin Cities and Chicago, and just minutes from Wisconsin Rapids and the Dells, you'll enjoy family-friendly resorts and campgrounds, great fishing, bike trails, county, state, and national parks, and the Nacita National Wildlife Refuge. Learn more at castlerock-petenwell.com or on Facebook at Castle Rock Petenwell Lakes Association. If you're ever in a motor vehicle accident, call Hupe and Abraham, named Best Personal Injury Law Firm by the Wisconsin Law Journal year after year. The firm of Hupe and Abraham has collected more than a billion dollars for its clients. In fact, they collect millions of dollars every month for hundreds of satisfied clients. Call the firm voted best and rated best, Hupe and Abraham, 800-800-5678 or visit Hupe.com. And all 11 offices of Hupe and Abraham are open for business in Wisconsin, Iowa, and Illinois. Joining me once again from his home in Wisconsin Rapids, B-Central this time here, Jeff Kelm. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, B-Central. We'll call it uh, that. Yeah, I imagine the bees are having a hard time buzzing with this cold weather we had this week. It's been tough, Dan. I mean, this uh, the spring kind of seems like it's been dragging a little bit. I mean, we're, we don't, we're not really winter, but we're not really warm spring. It's kind of strange. And yeah, the bees are, you know, uh, they're struggling to find days they can get out and forage for um, uh, pollen. And there's certainly no plants really giving nectar yet at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, managed bee colonies should be, you know, they should have sugar on them if they, if they don't have, uh, natural resources from last year yet or, uh, or it's almost too cold to be giving them sugar water yet at this point, uh, because, you know, it's, it's frozen for half the day until it thaws and, yeah. um, it's, it's been tough on the bees. Yeah. Well, um, but. You know, with all this moisture we've had, although it's still, you know, we still have drought conditions in a lot of Wisconsin, but with all these uh, light rains we've been having, I'm seeing a lot of green up um, in our pastures, in the yard. I'm guessing that, boy, we get like this weekend's going to be a little warmer. Uh, we get a few days of, of uh, you know, real warm weather, 70 plus. I think everything's going to pop, and then your bees ought to be happy. Yeah, so one of the first plants that comes up uh and everybody knows it you know those that are dandelions you know um and and those will come up here in the next couple of weeks dan and yeah and those are such a critical plant for honeybees and native pollinators uh because uh they're one of the the few plants that uh bees are able to draw two things from both nectar and pollen um like right now bees are finding like crocuses which are great for pollen, but really don't have a nectar content to them. Oh, and okay. Uh, it, it's okay because poll, uh, uh, as long as they've got some honey reserves or sugar of some sort, what they need right now is pollen to feed baby bees so that mm-hmm. they have more bees for the springtime. But, um, but yeah, so dandelions are great. And there's some major initiatives across the state of Wisconsin that uh, they're called No Mo May. And, of course... Uh, you and I, we live out in the countryside. If we don't mow our grass, our neighbors just go, okay, he's just not mowing his grass. But <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of cities that have ordinances about mowing your lawn, you know, oh. whether it be height or what it looks like, things like that. Um, and so No Mow May is an initiative through a lot of the cities to allow the residents to allow their grass to grow for the entire month of May without cutting it, you know, with no no repercussions and allowing plants like dandelions, uh, and maybe by the end of May, some clovers to uh, to come up and allow to feed the natural pollinators, native pollinators, and honeybees that are around uh, across the state of Wisconsin. And it, I think it's a great initiative. Um, I, you know, there's some major communities, Wausau, Madison, Oshkosh, Fond du Lac, they're all involved in it, uh, and more and more each year are jumping on board. 
and allow me this. It's it's one month. For half the month, your grass is hardly green yet, you know. I mean, so go ahead and, and give it a chance. And um, I think it's awesome. I think it's really a neat initiative. Uh, over the course of time, we've talked about honeybee populations declining. And honeybees, we can manage honeybees. We can make more queens. We can make more honeybees. We can actually do a pretty good job, uh, just like any other farmer in a, in a farmed setting. The major issue is native pollinators. And uh, there's a lot of things that are, are killing them uh, that also kill honeybees. But because we don't, there's no money in native pollinators. There's no, uh, you know, there's no kickback from native pollinators uh, that, that are, is monetary. It's a lot harder to get people to stay involved with wanting to protect them. And this is just one small thing people can do. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, there have been a couple of articles. I heard a report on uh, Wisconsin Public Radio earlier this week about it. And I think Appleton was the first city in Wisconsin to jump on board. And uh, I'm sure there are a couple of websites if folks just uh, search for no mo may and mo is M-O-W, not, you know, not, uh, uh, you know, it's not slang no mo, but it's no mo may. Um yeah, it's a it's a great idea. Um, we, you know, we have been mowing our lawn as soon as it gets uh, tall enough to do that. But the pastures we let go until we can get the sheep in them, and uh, once they start coming up, I can't move the sheep fast enough to <laughs> uh, to 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 chew down the clovers. They like red clover. They don't eat white because it's apparently toxic to them. Yeah, I guess uh, so. Yeah, but uh, I can't move them fast enough, so there are plenty of pollinators. And even when the uh, thistle comes on, and that's not till later in the summer, um, you know, I try to pull the thistle, but uh, if there are flowers on it and before it actually uh, goes to seed, uh, I've seen bumblebees just having a grand old time on those beautiful purple flowers on mm-hmm. there. Yeah, thistle the is uh, thistle. is very ripe with uh, nectar, and that's one of yep. the last plants that they'll pull nectar from before what's called the dearth, which is a good portion of August where there's really not a whole lot of uh, healthy flowering plants, and then you get into the later August and you've got goldenrod everywhere. So, yep. Um, yep. it's uh, it, yeah, thistle's one of the last ones. Your uh, knotweed, uh, that uh, mm-hmm. the purple flowers along the, the sides of the highways and stuff that you see, spot, uh, uh, I think it's called spotted and or sta- spotted napweed. That's what it is. Napweed, and, uh, sure. And yeah. uh, that's another one that that bees absolutely love and um, critical plant for that time of the year. All right. Well, um, then pretty soon they'll have those flowers. Uh, but uh, you've got something going on this weekend, another one of your tournaments. This another tournament, uh, yeah. Uh, it's Sandusky. State, right? Yeah, Sandusky, Ohio, Lake Erie. Going to be great. 135 teams. It's the biggest event Ooh. we've had in over a decade. Um, uh, we're partnered with the Lake Erie Walleye Trail. They've got 100 and some odd teams. It's going to be huge, Dan. Yeah, wow. Um, do they release those fish on Lake Erie, or do those get uh, taken and, and served to somebody? Yeah, so the state of Ohio requires that we do not put those fish back. Uh, it is against the law for us to put them back as a tournament, and so uh, they are going to be donated to a place called Victory Kitchen, which is a large food pantry in uh, Sandusky, uh, services thousands of people. Uh, each week, and uh, those fish are going to be put to great use as a great protein source for people who desperately need it. Cool. Yeah. Our our good friend uh, Lauren Voss and some other guys went to Ohio last week, and I think they had three good days of the four they booked, and uh, they they didn't bring home limits, but they brought home lots of lots of walleye fillets. In yeah, fact, good. Uh, Lauren caught a 29 and a half incher, he said. I mean, that's a real trophy. That's a great fish. Absolutely. Yeah, it certainly is. Well, you know, a couple of weeks ago I spoke at the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation annual meeting and they gave me their Outdoor Communicator of the Year award, which was a great honor. Um I actually got that back in 80s, 1986, if you can believe that. Wow. Little uh, time so, ago. Yeah, maybe in another 35 years, I'll win it again if I'm still around. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, well, folks, you can make a difference for the future of hunting, fishing, and healthy habitat. Speaking of the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation, why not join them? Check out their website, wiwf.org. 
and add your support to one of the most active and growing grassroots networks right here in Wisconsin. The Federation welcomes individuals, businesses, clubs, and alliances who want to do what's right for fish, wildlife, and the people who rely on access to healthy natural resources. And that's all of us. Join today at WIWF.org. Well, coming up, John Stegerwalt of the Rough Grouse Society is going to tell us what's going on with grouse and woodcock this spring. Remy Battery President Mike Miller offers some advice on boat battery maintenance. And, Jeff, I hope my battery is still uh, on that trickle charge. Looking good. Left it with. Yep. All right. And Wisconsin Wildlife Federation Secretary Terry Rarig talks about the impact of severe weather on her property in Buffalo County. All that and more straight ahead on Outdoors Radio. For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well-being of the Ruffed Grouse and American Woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife, including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Ruffed Grouse Society toll-free at 888-JOIN. RGS. April showers bring new Rapala rain gear. Hey, I'm Tony Roach with Rapala. When I'm on the water, I wear my Rapala rain gear and I say, let it rain. Just in time for spring, we're teaming up with the Outdoor News to give away the best rain gear in the industry. Between now and the end of April, you can win a full set of Rapala rain or Rapala rain pro gear. We will give away four full sets per week in April. To enter, just click on the contest tab at OutdoorNews.com. Here's a message from our friends at Remy Battery in Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. As Remy Battery enters the 90th anniversary of our company, we want to thank all of our customers and friends we have made over the years. Thank you for your continued support to our local, family-owned company. We invite you to our newly remodeled Milwaukee retail store on the corner of 43rd Street and Lincoln Avenue. We have batteries from the largest military crafts to the smallest hearing aids. Big and small, we have them all. Stop in for a free battery and electrical check before you hit the road, trails, or the waters. Don't forget to ask your sales representatives about volume pricing. Call Remy at 414-384-0340 or visit online at remybattery.com for all your battery and battery accessory needs. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Thanks for joining us on Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. The Rough Grouse and American Woodcock Societies have been improving habitat for grouse, woodcock, and other forest wildlife for more than 60 years. You can learn more on the web at roughgrousesociety.org. And joining us once again is John Steigerwald. He is the Great Lakes and Upper Midwest Forest Conservation Director for RGSNAWS. John, welcome back. Good to be back, Dan. There's a lot going on this spring as far as our grouse and woodcock are concerned. Oh, yeah. Um... So I, I guess we could we could start with uh, with uh, rough grouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, rough grouse are um, one of the very few species that you can uh, detect and survey um, <clears throat> with non-vocal uh, acoustic sampling, uh, meaning that that, that we're, we're sampling that uh, that well-known rough grouse drumming yeah. that the, the rough grouse do every spring. And we're just now approaching that period when when uh, DNR is going out doing their rough grouse drumming surveys, doing that that annual sampling to help build an index for us to know what's going on with the population. Uh-huh. Really not really helping determine the number of rough grouse, but looking at if the rough grouse population is going up or going down or staying the same. Sure. Uh, also, can parcel some other other things out of there. Rough grouse they go through a cyclical cycle. Uh, about every ten years, population goes up, population goes down. Uh, so it's very much boom and bust and uh we do know from uh some of the the previous year's data of course things were screwed up with uh uh 2020 due to covid sampling didn't happen the way we wanted it to happen but we do predict that we are headed in the uh down portion of the cycle headed towards the, the bottom so uh kind of where, where we know we're going into this year's worth of sampling but i was already out uh down in the driftless region of wisconsin helping to uh onboard 
and bring on a new staff member to RGS who works out of uh, Whitehall, Wisconsin. Uh, we were out on some uh, public land in the Driftless region and already heard some rough grouse uh, down the Driftless region of all places uh, out drumming. So um, they, they definitely are are active, though I would say that the this weather we've been having probably has put a bit of a damper on, on things. Well, it's good to know that you're finding some grouse here in the Driftless. I have seen two in the 10 years that I've lived here, one dead and one walking. Um, so I know there's a few around. Um, but what's well, a little bit easier to hear them? Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. You can hear them from, from a long way, long ways away. Um, and we we did kick up a few. And uh, our new staff member Josh Rasmussen, uh, he his role with RGS is to work with private landowners, helping to engage them on doing active management on their private lands. With that, we have some sort of targeted areas and some focus on how we can go about some landscape restoration with uh, with species like rough grouse and, and woodcock. And uh, if, if you're a private landowner in the Driftless, Driftless region, you can search for Josh's contact information on our RGS page. Uh, if you go to our main main website, search one of the drop-downs to take you to the Western Great Lakes, and Josh's contact is right there. You can reach out to him and if you're a private landowner and see what we can do for you in private lands. Well, that's good to know. I, I, I talk to a lot of landowners here, neighbors and, and other folks, and many of them say, yeah, you know, we had a lot of grouse uh, years ago, and I, I point out to them, well, the habitat has changed. <laughs> uh, and a lot of them are aware of that, but uh, you can bring grouse back by improving their habitat and having some young forest species around, which is what they favor. Yep, absolutely can, and that's what, that's what we're hoping to do. When we were out, we did also kick up uh, a, a couple of woodcocks, uh, surprisingly, that were coming back, migrating, of course, as opposed to, to rough grouse, as you said. Our resident game bird, American woodcock, are a migratory game bird, and around this time each year, they're making their way back from the Gulf Coast region and coming back up and spend their their uh, summer vacation up here, uh, mating, raising their young, and doing the cycle all over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kicked up a couple woodcock down in the Driftless region along the same time frame in the past few weeks there have been some reports of woodcock farther up north here but this snow is going to put a little bit of a damper on things we, we did have some snow up here in northwest wisconsin uh, the past past two days so that definitely does put a damper on on the woodcock moving up actually sometimes when we get heavy enough snow they might actually get pushed back out of an area uh-huh. so we're weather's not cooperating with us quite this yeah it, it's a strange spring for sure now a number of years ago, and I can't remember how long, but sometime in the last 20 years anyway, there was a heavy snowfall in early May when woodcock were on the nest. Uh, what kind of impact might that have? A lot of a lot of your uh, game and non-game bird species, if they have nest failure, they will seek to, to re-nest. Usually that second nesting, though, it doesn't involve smaller clutch of, of, of eggs and fewer young that survive. But birds are, are adapted to, to the, the climate, weather conditions, those type of phenomenons, they can re-nest. Uh, same thing happens if there's predation of that nest, if you know, that nest is, is predated upon by skunks, snakes, raccoons, you know, those nest predators. These, these rough grouse are adapted to be able to re-nest. Uh-huh. Now, woodcock typically lay four eggs. Uh, would they lay then two or three in a re-nest situation? Uh, it, it's, it's hard to put a number on it. it. It typically is just fewer. Yeah, okay. And you grouse... Know, you have to think they, they, they expend some resources and time they're not going to have the fat reserves, energy reserves to put out as many eggs. Yeah, okay. And, and grouse typically lay, what, 10 to 14 eggs to begin with. So, again, that would be a smaller nest if that first nest got destroyed. It can be. Reading some of the research, five to nine, we might might anticipate after that point. Uh-huh. Well, still. If they're going to re-nest. That's not bad. It gives you a chance to pull off a brood anyway. It, it gives these bird, birds a chance to to pass on their genetics into the next generation, and you know it, it's important to, to to remember and note that these birds are both at the the bottom of the food chain. Everything's out there to try to get them. They're an important part of that food chain, and if if there are those impacts from let's say some climate conditions where you cross the landscape, have some nest failures happening, it could have major major impacts not just on on that population of rough grouse and woodcock, but down that food chain as well. Uh huh. It, it, you know, going a few years back now, I think in 2017, when we had an unexpected decline in the rough grouse population, that is one of the things that was speculated to possibly have impacted the rough grouse population that year, going into that hunting season and the successive following hunting season. The spring weather conditions didn't cooperate 
around that nesting period and uh, could have caused some, some of the nest, nest failures um, and local impacts to population. Uh-huh. With that, we also thought that West Nile virus predation concerns all could have played factors and roles in that. Uh-huh. Well, what else should we be looking at? We've got about a minute left here. Well, I think a lot of folks are just looking at on their property this spring, whether it's getting involved on their own personal properties or getting involved with an RDS chapter event, going out and participating and doing some habitat work. In habitat days, we've got quite a few of our RGS chapters out there planning their, their spring habitat work days, where that's doing some pollinator planting, help to bolster and improve insect populations, which are vitally important for young birds like rough grouse, or doing some tree and shrub planting projects, which help provide hard mass, soft mass, food sources for birds, other wildlife, as well as important cover. So. If you're not involved with, with RGS or the organization, I would say try to visit our, our website, uh, roughgrousesociety.org, and get involved with the chapter and see what you could do on your property or with a chapter. Fantastic. Well, John, we're going to let you go, and I hope the snow disappears pretty soon up your way, and we will talk Likewise. to you again in a month for sure. Sounds good. Thanks, Dan. You bet. John Steigerwald is the... Great Lakes and Upper Midwest Forest Conservation Director for the Rough Grouse and American Woodcock Societies. And as he mentioned, you can learn more about everything we've talked about and more on the website, roughgrousesociety.org. I'm Dan Small. More Outdoors Radio right after this. Listen to more Outdoors Radio online at dansmalloutdoors.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. The Wisconsin Wildlife Federation is a group of grassroots conservation organizations and individuals dedicated to the future of fish, wildlife, clean water, and healthy habitat. Their website is wiwf.org. And over the next few weeks, we'll be talking with people from all over Wisconsin about their experience with recent severe weather events. And joining us now is Terry Rarig. She is a secretary of the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation, also a member of the Executive Council of the Wisconsin Conservation Congress. And she's been on the show before, but it's been a while. Terry, welcome back, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Dan. It's my pleasure. Well, it's it was good to see you a couple of weeks ago when I was a guest at the Wildlife Federation annual meeting and uh, uh, gave a talk that I guess was okay, well received. <laughs> Nobody walked out on me. That's always a good sign. Um, and it was an honor to receive the uh, Conservation Communicator of the Year award. And you, in fact, handed it to me, which was a pleasure too. So. Um, I had a great time, and, and that was a good meeting, I thought, overall. Yes, it was a, a, a really nice meeting, and it was uh, one that we finally got together. And yeah. And we're in person, so it was, it was really good to see everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we are talking about recent severe weather events, and you, before we started recording, you told me about one that I, that I thought was uh, something that we ought to share with our listeners. So what happened on the property that you bought? Yeah, so it was about five years ago, Dan, we had just purchased our property, uh, 56 acres, and we have a, a, a lowland area that was actually used for pasture and horses. Mm-hmm. And we had really bad uh, storms uh, in the spring uh, that year, and it actually uh, filled in. It, it, it was classified wetland, um, and it was dry up until that spring, and it's no longer dry. It is now wetland, um, and we have cattails growing and so forth, a lot of reed canary grass and so forth. Um, the sediment from, you know, the, the hills fed kind of down into it and filled in some areas as well. It actually buried um, some of the fencing that we had there. Um, it's nowhere to be found. Yeah. So, um, you know, we had that area was our – we had logged land right after we purchased it, and it, it it was our staging area, and we couldn't get in there to get all the logs out. Oh. Um, so it created kind of a mess for us. 
I guess. Now, what county are you in to uh, uh, let people kind of get an idea of where on the map this happened? Yeah, I'm in Buffalo County. Okay. So you had flooding, and a lot of folks around Wisconsin did. We've had a number of floods in the last five or six years here in uh, in the uh, Vernon County area. So um, that was former wetland, but then it was pasture. So is it really a bad thing that it's wetland again now? No, actually not, Dan. Um, we've, I've started talking with uh, the Department of Natural Resources. They came out about a year or so ago and did an assessment on it. Um, we do have a very small uh, Class II trout stream running through the property, so it is classified wetland. Um, but now with the cattails growing and so forth, we're looking at digging um, some duck scrapes, putting some duck scrapes in there. We have a small ditch. Um, recommendation from the department is to put, um, kind of build that ditch up a little bit and, and dig that out a little bit more, so create a small pond. And then there is one area that I'm hoping does eventually dry out, and it did start to dry out last summer, that I'm hoping to put some um, some sort of CRP grass or pollinator grasses in there for wet um, wet environments. So I, I have the seed mix that's specific for, you know, more um, moisture uh, soil types. So I'm just waiting, you know, I need to get some of that reed canary grass out of there. But we do have some natural um, habitat coming up now. And the cattails, which is always really good for habitat, um, for any kind of upland game, you know, deer, uh, turkeys, uh, things like that. In fact, I just saw a hen turkey come out of there the other day when I drove down the road. So I, I know the, the birds are using it. Wonderful. Now, you mentioned cattails, and they suddenly appeared, right? Uh, so the, uh, I don't know what, rootstock or seeds uh, must have been there in the soil. Correct. Yep, they did just um, appear, and it, started as a small patch and now we have quite a nice patch of of cattails so you know eventually you know they can be invasive so uh, again if we put some duck scrapes in there there will have to be some work you know to keep the cattails down but uh, really want to try to maintain that uh, wetland area now um, for habitat so you know we are so I, I guess you asked the question Good coming out of it because we we took the, the fencing out and you know removed the pasture um, area and and now hopefully turning it into some natural habitat and restoring it back to um, the, the property the way it was. Mm-hmm. Now it's good that you're able to that wasn't your plan to to have it be wetland but uh, able to adapt and uh, and let it be wetland again but. That isn't always the case when we have uh, flooding and severe weather events. Uh, people lose um, chunks of um, uh, stream bank and pasture and even buildings. Um, so, yeah, it, yeah you, you were fortunate in that regard. Yeah, we do have um, our little barn shed that's down there. Uh, we use it, you know, for storage, but it was uh, where they stored the horses previous. Um we do have some damage to that, and so the awning actually got pushed up. The, the uh, six by sixes that are holding the awning up got pushed up about uh, eight to twelve inches, and mm-hmm. you actually can see where we were sitting. And so we have one section of our that barn that we're still trying to figure out what are we going to do to fix it because the awning is kind of half off the barn, and, you know, I think we're going to have to probably do some trenching and maybe some mud jacking and so forth because we have some some issues as a result of that flood uh-huh. with that. Yeah. Uh, did any of your neighbors suffer uh, similar changes in the landscape or, or property? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Uh, we're kind of at towards the bottom of, of the hill, so... Obviously, water runs downhill, and it'll run to the lowest point, yeah, so that's yeah. where the water went. And, you know, it followed the, the trout stream, uh, you know, that actually goes right into the, um, I believe it feeds into the Buffalo River. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, you know, it just followed that natural path, and then, you know, it brought with it all the sediment and stuff from up on top of the hill. Um, so it just, uh, so I, I'm not aware that any of our neighbors had the kind of damage that we did. Mm-hmm. Well, it's too bad that you did, but it's a good thing that you're able to uh, make lemons, so to speak, out of uh, that lemonade flood that you had. 
Exactly, exactly. And, you know, we don't really have a choice because it has remained wet, um, you know, throughout the last five years. It, you know, dried out a little bit last mm-hmm. last spring or last summer and, and into fall, but um, it's pretty much a wetland. And, you know, just in talking with the department and some of the other, um, you know, farm services agencies that have been um, agency personnel that have been out, um, their recommendations have all been just to, you know, try to restore it back into that natural wetland, which is, it, it's been classified for, you know, hundreds of years. Okay. Um, are, can you share some agency names that people might contact? I guess DNR certainly is one, but people who might have experienced similar flooding changes in their land? Uh, so Farm Service Agency here in Buffalo County has been very helpful. Um, the NCRS office, uh, the local personnel um, has been helpful as well. Uh, the county, uh, you know, county biologist and forester, but out because, you know, we do have a pine plantation very close by. So, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of folks. Um, once I do get a plan there after, you know, talking to the department, I'll be working with um, Pheasants Forever and even maybe Trout Unlimited because of that trout stream to see if there's any other things that I, I can or should be doing you know, from a habitat perspective, because really now it's about habitat restoration. So I want to make the most uh, of that, like you said, you know, making lemonade out of the lemon that we got handed to us. Yeah, okay. Well, we may follow up with you, um, gosh, later this year or next year when you get your, um, pro- when your project is, it takes more, take, takes a clearer shape, something, uh, something more than just a plan at this point in a wetland. Because um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it'd be an interesting story to follow up on. So, thanks so much for sharing with us. Sounds good. Thank you. It's my pleasure, Dan. As always. Yeah, Terry Rarig, Secretary of the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation and on the Executive Council of the Wisconsin Conservation Congress, sharing her story about severe weather impacts on a property that she and her husband had just bought. Um, Maybe you've had similar experiences. If so, you can get in touch with us. Uh, send me an email at dsoradio at gmail.com. And you can also uh, just contact the Wildlife Federation, and they'll put you in touch with us. We will have more right after this. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Get outside and let us be your guide. Lawrence County, Wisconsin. Are you looking for a safe Northwoods destination for outdoor recreation? Florence County has over 200,000 acres of uncrowded public land with 160 miles of wooded ATV trails, many lakes and rivers to fish or paddle, seven wild river waterfalls to hike to, horse trails with campgrounds, and friendly bars and restaurants. Go to the exploreflorencecounty.com lodging, dining, and recreation tabs to plan your trip. Castle Rock and Petenwell are two of Wisconsin's largest inland lakes. With more than 60 square miles of water, they offer four seasons of outdoor fun. Halfway between the Twin Cities and Chicago, and just minutes from Wisconsin Rapids and the Dells, you'll enjoy family-friendly resorts and campgrounds, great fishing, bike trails, county, state, and national parks, and the Nesita National Wildlife Refuge. Learn more at castlerock-petenwell.com or on Facebook at Castle Rock Petenwell Lakes Association. For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well-being of the ruffed grouse at American Woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife, including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Ruffed Grouse Society toll-free at 888-JOIN. RGS. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Thanks for joining us on Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. 
Remy Battery has been family-owned and operated since 1931. Their headquarters are located in Milwaukee on 43rd and Lincoln, and they have stores in Escanaba and Houghton in Michigan's Upper Peninsula as well. You can also find them online and order uh, lots of uh, items online at remybattery.com. And joining us now to talk about spring battery uh, maintenance, especially for boats and a few other interesting items, is Remy President Mike Miller. Well, Mike, welcome back. Hey, Dan. Good to be back. Hey, it's good to talk to you. And uh, how was your Florida trip? You were gone while we were suffering through winter again here, continuing winter. <laughs> yeah, the winter winter just seems to keep dragging on and on and on. Hey, uh, we, uh, as a matter of fact, it was a nice trip, but uh, came back to uh, some, some pretty cold weather and some snow. And uh, as a matter of fact, I was just up at my cabin just north of Eagle River this past weekend, hoping to... Uh, pull the boat out of the garage and uh, get it staged to to drop in the water but lo and behold we had four inches of snow and and i had a mound of ice in front of the garage door from the plows and uh and there was still ice on the lakes up there so (laughs) yeah so uh yeah you you can't turn your boat into a snowmobile but uh i'll bet you checked the batteries though while you were up there Dan, you hit the nail right on the head. Yep, I, I did uh, at least take that opportunity and spent a little time in the garage. I, I pulled the batteries. I, uh, you know, tested the batteries and uh, it, the ones that needed it, I, I put them on a freshening charge so that uh, they'll be ready in a couple of weeks when opening uh, fishing season starts up there. I wonder how many people don't think about their battery, and I, I can't imagine that, but... Um tow the boat to the lake, drop it in, and get nothing but a click or two when they turn the key. Well, considering the weather, Dan, and what I, what I saw up there, they may have a little extra, a couple extra weeks. <laughs> Unless we really warm up here pretty quick. But, uh, yeah, you know, we hear about that all the time when, uh, you know, uh, people go to drop the boat in the lake and, uh, you know, they get it off the trailer, they top in it to try and start, and and nothing happens, and uh, it, you know, obviously puts a little bit of a, a damper on uh, what would have been a nice day out on the water. So we always encourage people to to come in and have their batteries tested. We test them for free, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, if you bring them in to us, and uh, we can tell you the exact state of health on those batteries. Sometimes we can pick off a, a code date and let you know how old those batteries are if you don't already know how old those batteries are. Uh, just to give you a, a good general idea as to where the where uh, where you are at with the condition of those batteries, uh-huh. and you know, mm-hmm. and like anything else, you know, replacing the batteries is a should be a regular maintenance uh, item on any piece of uh, equipment, and uh, you always want to try and catch it and do it before it fails in order to avoid problems like that. Yeah. Yep. And uh, my boat <clears throat> right now is in storage up at Jeff Kelms in. Uh, just outside of uh, Wisconsin Rapids, and I'm going to pick it up very soon because I'm planning to go up to the Governor's Fishing Opener that first weekend in May, uh, which is in Shell Lake this year. I haven't checked with the folks up there uh, to see whether they've got ice, but I wouldn't be surprised if they still do. Well, I hope you can get at your boat a little easier than I had to. I mean, I, I had to take through a mound of snow to get at mine mm. so, yeah. this past weekend. Yeah, well, yeah, I I did see it when I went to pick up the trailer and the uh, Honda four wheeler. Uh, it was resting comfortably under that um, uh, that carport, I guess you call it. Uh, for Jeff, it's a boat port. Um, well, we could talk about um, boats and and fishing and launching on ice or not, uh, but you've got an event. Let's look down the road into late summer, August twenty eighth, Tishigan Car Show. Uh, at Waterford Town Park. Tell us about that. You're sponsoring it, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we there's a lot of great sportsmen out in the Tishkin Lake area, and uh, we we know a lot of those guys. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we were approached by the uh, Lions Club out there at Tishkin Lake, and it's a very active group. Um, and they came to us pretty early on. They uh, host a, a classic car show, uh, and uh, they're going on 17 years. It's an annual car show. Uh, like you said, it's August 28th at Waterford Town Park. And, uh, you know, what really moved us about that is that uh, they came to us and said that the, uh, 
proceeds for this car show uh, go to uh, a, a, a six-month-old who uh, needed to go through skull reconstructive surgery back in February, mm. and that all the proceeds from the from the car show uh, go to uh, help pay her medical bills. So uh-huh. they're they're going directly to help pay her medical bills. So we signed on as a major sponsor, and uh, you know we're doing uh, what we can to get the word out to help uh, promote the show and order to get uh, you know everything from people to attend the show or make donations uh, all the way to showing cars and, and also possibly if you can be a, be an additional sponsor to the show yeah so it it is a, an amazing show they have over 2,000 cars and for those people that are into uh, you know looking at or, or driving or working on classic cars it's uh, one of the largest uh, classic car shows in southeastern wisconsin so you know we'd love we thank you for letting us give a little bit of a shout out to to a really good cause and it should be a really good time as well it sounds like it you know when you're describing that uh show and and saying people can bring their cars i'm uh, reminded that uh if my dad or uncle's uh 57 chevys were still around and uh and tricked out um, you know, we could drive them there. I, I have run into people coming and going from probably that car show and, and others at gas stations. And usually it's, uh, you know, they got the collector's plate, the blue plate, and, uh, for instance, the 57 Chevy, uh, Chevy convertible is the last one I remember. Unbelievable work that the, the owner had put into that car. And I've seen the price tag, uh, uh, at least the asking price on some of those um, restored vehicles. It's pretty remarkable what people have done with them. Yeah, and we're, you know, as part of this, we're going to have our 1966 Ford F100 work truck there. Cool. Uh, it's a restaurant, you know, uh, restaurant. It, uh, it looks old and crumbly on the outside, and, uh, but underneath, uh, we, we dropped the body onto a, uh, Crown Vic Interceptor, uh, cop car frame, uh, and, uh, engine transmission drivetrain. And so uh, underneath, it's uh, it's a pretty neat vehicle. Uh, you know, we we encourage anybody to come out and uh, take a look at that. And you know, for what we're doing with sponsoring these this con- car show and uh, helping out the the Rupert family on uh, uh, the surgery for their young daughter, uh, we we figured we we're going to throw all in, bring the car. You know, uh, they have an engine that they're. Uh, raffling off and so we supplied a battery to, to start that engine and uh obviously we were we were a, a, a top of the line key uh sponsor of the show as well so fantastic you know, put in your calendar put in your calendar and hope uh hope we see a, a bunch of your listeners out at that car show on august 28th i hope so and they can learn more at the lions website which uh, you told me is tishiganlakelions.com correct that is correct, and they have a link uh, at that landing page right to their car show with some additional information. Cool. All right. Well, Mike, thanks so much. We'll talk to you again next month, and uh, by then I hope that the ice and snow are gone from the, in front of your garage up north and uh, uh, off your lake so you can get that boat out on the water. Good fishing, Dan. Thank you. Same to you. Mike Miller is president of Remy Battery. Their website is Remy, R-E-M-Y, battery.com. And they are one of our sponsors um, for, gosh, it's been over a year now. Uh, they are family-owned and operated, and they have been since 1931. Uh, headquarters on Mil- uh, 43rd and Lincoln in Milwaukee, but stores as well in Escanaba and Houghton in the UP. I'm Dan Small, more Outdoors Radio right after this. April showers bring new Rapala rain gear. Hey, I'm Tony Roach with Rapala. When I'm on the water, I wear my Rapala rain gear, and I say, let it rain. Just in time for spring, we're teaming up with the Outdoor News to give away the best rain gear in the industry. Between now and the end of April, you can win a full set of Rapala rain or Rapala rain pro gear. We will give away four full sets per week in April. To enter, just click on the contest tab at OutdoorNews.com. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. 
Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. Castle Rock and Petenwell are two of Wisconsin's largest inland lakes. With more than 60 square miles of water, they offer four seasons of outdoor fun. Halfway between the Twin Cities and Chicago, and just minutes from Wisconsin Rapids and the Dells, you'll enjoy family-friendly resorts and campgrounds, great fishing, bike trails, county, state, and national parks, and the Nesita National Wildlife Refuge. Learn more at castlerock-petenwell.com or on Facebook at Castle Rock Petenwell Lakes Association. Get outside and let us be your guide. Lawrence County, Wisconsin. Are you looking for a safe Northwoods destination for outdoor recreation? Florence County has over 200,000 acres of uncrowded public land with 160 miles of wooded ATV trails, many lakes and rivers to fish or paddle, seven wild river waterfalls to hike to, horse trails with campgrounds, and friendly bars and restaurants. Go to the ExploreFlorenceCounty.com lodging, dining, and recreation tabs to plan your trip. If your rifle, shotgun, handgun, or muzzleloader needs work this season, call Roger Williams at Northern Magnetic, LLC. A licensed professional gunsmith for over 35 years, Roger can repair, customize, rebarrel, install sights and scope mounts, and more on all firearms, makes, and models. When you need a professional gunsmith, call Roger at 262-339-1798 or visit FixGuns.com. That's 262-339-1798 or FixGuns.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Jeff Kelm. We're brought to you by Cedar Lake Sales on Highway 33 West in West Bend on the web at cedarlakesales.com. They're offering free U.S. Coast Guard vessel checks on April 30th. You can check their website and Facebook page for details. We're also brought to you by Remy Battery, family-owned and operated since 1931, serving Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. Let's start something at RemyBattery.com. By the Wisconsin Wildlife Federation, grassroots hunting and angling conservationists dedicated to the future of fish, wildlife, clean water, and healthy habitat. WIWF.org. And by the Castle Rock Petenwell Lakes Association, 60 square miles of fun on the water, CastleRock-Petenwell.com. I wonder if those flowages are open. Is, is the ice off of them now? Yeah, you know? uh, for the most part, I think uh, I think they're able to go just about anywhere. Maybe a chunk of ice here or there, but that's about yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, if you missed our TV show, Outdoor Wisconsin, or as is the case with a lot of uh, former viewers, it may not be airing in your area now. You can always watch past episodes from the last several years at MilwaukeePBS.org. You can watch Deer Hunt Wisconsin on our Deer Hunt Wisconsin YouTube channel. You can listen to our radio show online all the time at lake-link.com. Go to the outdoor radio page and listen to this show. Download it and take it with you. You can find Dan on social media at Dan Small Outdoors and find me at Hardwater Jeff. Two quick items uh, from the Wisconsin Buck and Bear Club. We've got two new state record typical bucks, a crossbow record, a 13-pointer, and a 12-point archery record. Uh, you can read about those in the news or uh, just uh, go to their website, uh, which is wi-buck-bear.org. Interesting thing, Jeff, they were nearly identical in scores, only uh, by uh, differing by an eighth of an inch, 192 wow. and change. Wow. Did you ever see a, a, a deer like that in, in, the, in the wild? No, no, I have not. No, me neither. So, well, folks, if you have calendar items, send them to us at dsoradio at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Warren Nelson. You can hear more of his tunes at warrennelson.com. I'm Dan Small. I'm here with Jeff Kelm. Get outside this weekend. Remember, spring turkey season is underway. So if you're out on public land, keep an eye open for turkey hunters and give them uh, the the birth and the, the space they need to enjoy their sport. They've got a right to be on public land, too. Be sure to join us again next week for Outdoors Radio. When the loon cries, lover, in the blue north wind, 
Coffee can, honey. I'll be 